Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. And we welcome you into this week's edition of the Chicago Brawl, our April 6th edition, brought to you by the Brawl Network. As always, I'm your host, Adam Halleck, alongside my co-host, he is AB. AB, for the fourth consecutive week in a row, we are still in the quarantine stage, and we are still sportsless. How was your week? What are you up to this week? And how are you surviving in this world without sports? Well, it was more of the same, Adam, playing board games, watching TV, catching up on movies and shows that I had either watched or I'm re-watching or starting to find new stuff to watch it's we're at that point where it's like i've seen so much tv i've watched so many tv shows uh, i'm just looking for something to do and the worst part about it is we've had some couple nice days here past week or so i'm only going to get the itch to do something more you know as the weather gets nicer i can't even imagine right now uh having kids and people who have to watch over young ones because it's only going to become harder and harder once the weather starts to get really nice and keeping that social distancing is probably going to be even worse. And, you know, they keep talking about how we're going to hit our peak here in in about a week or so as we're recording here on Monday afternoon, but it's going to be really rough here these next couple of weeks when it starts to get really nice outside and the weather starts to consistently be in the sixties and seventies. And it's probably going to make some of us miss, you know, those, those days of just throwing on a random baseball game at one in the afternoon on or, throwing on some playoff basketball or for those hockey fans out there, the Stanley cup playoffs. So it, it's been tough, Adam. It, it's probably going to get, going to get worse here in the next couple of weeks, but we got to stay smart and hopefully we get sports back sooner rather than later. I woke up for a, from a dream this morning, dreaming about the fact that I thought I'd be watching one of my favorite tournaments in all of sports come to an end as tonight would have been the NCAA basketball championship. I woke up, and had the thought that I'll still, you know what, I'll still get to live out some form of a dream. I'll be podcasting with you, and like you mentioned, with the beautiful weather, pulled out the Traeger, and after the podcast, we'll have some ribs ready to go. So trying to make the best of this, I will say to your point, I actually haven't been consumed with as much TV as I actually thought. However, uh, just to, to name a couple of, I think Better Call Saul has been on such a run this season to be one of the best seasons of the show, and I think that it's only gotten better as things are going on. I can't remember if there's two or three left. I know we'll have one tonight, uh, but been a really good season. And also Ozark. I thought I'd be moving a little bit faster because I do really like what I'm seeing, but only, I think, six or seven episodes in. So those are my two things that I have on my hot list at this time to keep going, but we'll see what comes depending on how much longer this gets. Definitely been watching Better Call Saul and uh, in this downtime. I know a lot of people have finally been catching up on Breaking Bad and 
it's almost like where the heck you guys been that breaking bad better call Saul. and of course if you didn't know breaking bad was the show that had the spinoff of better call Saul. better call Saul being the prequel of the attorney that shows up in spoiler alert breaking bad uh so that's a great show and like you said this has been an outstanding season and uh happy to report that we found out was it last week or two weeks ago we were talking that there will be a sixth season so very excited about that i believe season six will be the last season but and that's the one thing about those two shows, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. It, it's not one of those shows where they just put content out to have content out there to, mm-hmm. to get the viewers. They put out quality content. And I, maybe I, I kind of want to get your reaction on this. I'm one of those believers that less sometimes is more. Keep me wanting more than put out too much of it. And, of course, they're going to probably find another spinoff just like they did with Better Call Saul. But the quality of the TV show is, has not really dropped off that far from Breaking Bad. I know Breaking Bad set the bar very, very high, uh, but Better Call Saul is right up there, uh, right right close to that bar, if not meeting that bar. And uh, some of these other TV shows, they just put content out there to have content out there. We have some of these episodes where it's kind of just like a filler episode until we get too close to that series finale. But Better Call Saul, like you mentioned, week after week has just gotten better and better. Yeah, and I think you already saw a similar approach, though, like with what's out there with Ozark. Obviously, I mentioned I'm only six episodes in, but I, I my understanding is it's three seasons so far, 10 episodes a pop. I'm not how, sure how much longer it will go, but almost a very similar almost exact concept it seems like of the breaking bad show um and i think it i think it does vary by genre i think i do agree with you ab the the less is better if you can keep it to maybe like a 10 episode season but then you throw in the comedy and there's so many different things you can just throw in there for comedy where it doesn't really matter so i think like comedy shows for example they can go really as long as they want almost but for this type of style the more serious suspenseful type shows i do agree with that limit it to 10 12 at the most since these are like 45 hour episode each absolutely agree with you and uh I bet one thing that we can definitely agree on moving forward here is that we need our sports fix back. Uh, It's been a long time coming right now. And unfortunately, you know, mentioned last week that they pushed it back to at least April 30th, meaning we're probably not going to get sports until the earliest at this point, probably early June. But that takes us right into our toss around number one here, Adam. Uh, Sad news over the weekend, of course. Uh, Of course, there is other worse news going out there, so we should put that out there. Of course, people are dealing with, you know, being in hospitals, dealing with this dangerous virus, as we know. Unfortunately, there have been thousands of deaths out there, and unfortunately, we haven't even reached the peak here in the U.S., but we are a sports-related podcast, so we need we want to get back to what we do best, and that's talking sports. And Brian Windhorst of ESPN, I believe it was either Friday night or late Saturday night, reporting that the belief around the league is that there will probably not be a conclusion to the 2020 NBA season. Of course, that would also mean NHL will probably not be concluding their Stanley Cup, Stanley Cup playoff in 2020 as well. And, of course, baseball, well, that's still up in the air. Adam, your thoughts, your reaction to the NBA, the NHL, and, of course, baseball probably not going to be able to start anytime soon in the near future. Well, I think first off, this pandemic has just been a series of events of me underestimating this. And I think that I think obviously now where we are within the last, you know, couple of weeks here, obviously now everyone knows I know everyone knows the severity of this. But I mean, I was a firm believer of there's no way the NCAA tournament is going to get pushed, let alone canceled. 
Now we're at the point where I believe we talked about this last, I believe we talked about this last week here on the podcast was if it, I think we both were in agreement where if it is any later of a possible return than what would have been the traditional NBA calendar, so beginning of June, call it, to actually return, that it's going to be gone. And I, I think that now at this point, if you're asking where my mindset is and no one's an expert, it doesn't matter who's reporting this. Nobody knows what's going to happen. The leagues don't even know what's going to happen. Nobody has a clue. So the problem is for us to say a mindset of where we are, I do agree that there won't be any basketball or any hockey resuming for the rest of the year. And yes, now where my mindset is, it's so negative in you know, again, keeping it to the sports scope here because things are far worse than this, that I think a baseball season is definitely not out of the question to not have one. I, I think at this point where we are, I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't even know when I'm going to go back to work. As much as I love doing a, this podcast, obviously we have other jobs as well, and we have no idea when we're actually going to be able to walk into an office again. So being able to have a sporting event filled of you know, 40,000 fans, even if you go to a White Sox game and there's 15,000 fans there, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And AB, I hate to say it, I again underestimated the fact that this would come nearly a threat to the NFL and college football season. At this point in time, I have no idea if we'll even see that. And that was one thing that I, you know, I failed to mention during our intro to this toss around is that over the weekend, President Trump and many of the professional sports commissioners, you know, had a some sort of conference call uh, where they talked about, you know, by September, the hope is to have fans back in the stands, to have the NFL start on time, and to kind of come up with some sort of plan to get, you know, sports back out there for us. But, you know, as you talked about, there has been talk already of the NCAA having a spring season. You know, what does that do for the NFL? If the NCAA is already going to be playing in the spring, that's going to totally change the NFL calendar for the 2021 offseason. Because do you have that draft somewhere in the middle of June or July? Do you wait to the conclusion of that? college football season if it were to be some sort of spring season i mean that would just absolutely obliterate any hopes for the xfl to have a spring season next year you talk about the xfl was a you know we joke about sometimes on this podcast but the xfl you know it had a little good thing going it had some sort of following there were people that did enjoy it and of course we saw some players benefit from an xfl some sort of minor league system so that would just completely destroy that what would what would college football cause the NFL to do? Would the NFL move to the spring itself? And then, of course, you're going to be competing with baseball. And let's just be honest here, Adam. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Baseball can nowhere in any way, shape, or form compete with the NFL. I know they do a little bit in October, but it would just be a devastating time to baseball viewership. So I don't think we're anywhere near having a solution 
for what's going to happen with this COVID virus. And like you mentioned, uh, we just keep underestimating it. I was one of those people who I will admit probably a little bit over cautious about everything. You know, I was the one texting you, I don't think NCAA is going to have a tournament. I don't think this is going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And of course it happened. But uh, I'm at the point right now, Adam, where I'm just like you or we might not see organized sports with fans maybe until the earliest January 1, 2021. I think I have to completely echo that. I just, I don't see any, like I mentioned earlier, I don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the problem. I think what it's far worse about this is it, it's almost like keeping it again to the the sports scope it's almost like going on that job interview this job that you've been waiting and you you want to have so bad you've dreamed of this job and it's a thursday friday interview and they say yep you know we'll get back to you over the weekend or we'll get back to you in two weeks it's that wait it's that suspense of waiting for something that you enjoy so much to return something that was a livelihood for many of us to return into our lives and the fact that there is no there is no time frame. There is no timetable. We saw how easy it was to extend a stay-at-home order with basically by the snap of a finger to go from March to now the month of April. And who's to say in a couple more weeks, we're not at the point where it's going to be May. I mean, it's almost inevitable. So AB, I have no idea where this is going to go. I don't think anybody knows where this is going to go. All I know is I, I think it's only going to get worse, and I think now I'm almost at the point, a huge baseball fan that I am, I'm almost more intrigued if there's going to be an NFL season. I'm at the point where I think baseball, to get something in here in the 2020 year, I think it might be out of the question. And I completely agree with you there. I think baseball will be the hardest one. And, you know, we talked about on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, you asked me, you know, which sport that I think would be first to be back on the field or on the court or whatever. And I said basketball, and I still think that that is true. I think basketball will do something, whether it's some sort of summer league, whether like they said, some horse competition uh, this weekend, I, I believe somebody reported, was it uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN? They're going to try and do something because the NBA is missing out on way too much money. They played too long of a season. And I think right now the NBA knows there is a market for something people want some sort of content on TV. We saw it, you know, we recorded our interview with Wayne, our guest this week. We talked about, you know, the Jordan documentary getting pushed up by ESPN. People are craving something, and the NBA is going to try doing something out there. They have this 2K tournament. I actually saw highlights of it on Sports Center this morning. You know, the NBA is going to be the first one to do something. But you talk about the the NFL. You know, as we move forward here, we get into our toss around. The NFL is talking about already keeping the draft the, the same dates, the 23rd through the 25th. Of course, it's not going to be in Las Vegas anymore this year, which, of course, is a, a tough thing for the NFL because Las Vegas is a new market for the NFL. We're not talking about wagers and gambling and all that, but they're going to have to sustain an NFL franchise, and they were looking forward to having the NFL draft as the host city in Las Vegas. So, Adam, your thoughts on the NFL keeping that same date, the 23rd through the 25th, and doing everything online, everything virtually. I think the obvious answer here, A.B., is it, it takes away some of those, I think, what we've accustomed to our image of what the draft was. It was that draft of seeing all these stars in a green room, then you know, sitting obviously at the stage with their parents, doing that handshake with their former coach, that kiss with their significant other and their parents, and interviewing the parents about you know their, their child making it to the highest level. 
and obviously then walking across the stage and taking that photo with Roger Goodell. And, you know, to me, I think it's really not that big of a deal that the draft is going to be virtual. I think that's something that I can live without, especially in a time where we're taking sports for granted. I think although the draft is going to get a ton of ratings and it's going to get myself as a viewer because it's something that I find very intriguing, it's not necessarily something where I think the players need to even be available. I'm assuming the networks will be able to find a way to get some type of coverage into certain homes, I would assume, uh, for some of the top picks so that you can kind of see like when Jameis Winston was drafted, see his celebration. I know there's been many athletes that have done it in the past. So to me as a fan, it doesn't really matter. Um, I think it's more of a story with the NFL staying on track. I think that's them showing, and when I say on track, with their with their league calendar and not changing the draft date. I think that shows that they're clearly optimistic that they think that the schedule or the season is going to be, you know, taking place as planned or it could be just one of those things where they don't don't want to fall even farther behind. But I think the NFL, I think in their eyes, I do think they think this season is going to occur and I think that's why they're keeping the draft on schedule as for it being virtual. It's fine by me. I'll still watch it at least for the first couple of days. Well, selfishly, as, as a football fan, a football junkie, uh, I love that we get to have something on TV. But, you know, looking at it, if I were a player, uh, this has, has got to be one of the most disheartening things, especially you think if you're one of those day one or day two guys where you get that moment, you get to get up there, you get to shake the commissioner's hand or you get to shake whatever they've been doing NFL alumni now for the past couple of years, you get to shake that person's hand. Uh, as somebody who was lucky enough to attend two uh, NFL drafts when they were here in Chicago, it to be honest with you, after the first 15 to 20 guys, you could throw out a name out there with, and run somebody across the stage, and I'd have no idea if that was correct or incorrect. So from that viewer's perspective, uh, I guess it's it's okay just to continue to have it online. But I guess for the players selfishly, uh, thinking about them as, as a true football fan, it's got to be horrible. You know, these guys, they, they work so hard for that moment. They have so much talent. They work so hard for years and years and years. You know, from whatever background they come from, whether it's somebody who was born with a silver spoon or somebody who, you know, starved when they were a child and worked their way from, you know, whatever background they come from, to get to that point, it, it's terrible to just to see that. And, you know, I kind of think about it like graduation at a college or a high school, whereas you work so hard to get that diploma. And now you think about these seniors here, whether it's at the high school level or whether even at eighth grade, like uh, we talked about, whether you're you're a college, you don't get that day to walk across the stage and hear your name called. It's got to be the hardest thing. And, you know, the NFL was planning something extensively with Las Vegas this year to make a special draft being that, you know, Las Vegas is a new host city. Their first year as an NFL, uh, a franchise out there with the Raiders, they were explaining something really special just hearing some of the details, you know, earlier this year during the NFL season. It's going to be an emotional day regardless, you know, for these guys if they get to be shaking the hand. But now that they don't get to do that and hear their name called and walk across the stage, it's going to be even harder for them. And you're talking to a guy who fell asleep at his own college graduation. So maybe I'm not the best rebuttal here. But, and I'm not saying that this is, it's clearly, it's an accomplishment. And I think that that walking across the stage, yes, that is something that these these players have watched for years and years and years. And when they were kids, they said, I'm going to strive to be that number one pick, that first round pick, that NFL draftee. And I think that where we are, obviously, where we are, I think it was Wayne that said it best, though. He's like, you know, people acknowledge this is the right thing to do. And I think clearly the players are going to acknowledge that fact. As for the first, the second, even the third, the fourth, I think once that first rookie contract 
check cashes, depending on when that will be, which is a good point. I think when that cashes, I think they will forget about the fact that they didn't get to walk across that stage. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, it, it's not a question about money at this point. It's just the, the fact that you work so hard for that moment. You visualize that moment for so long. And maybe it's not even for yourself, you know, just to make mom, dad, grandpa, grandpa, whoever helped you raise you to get to that point. You know, now all these guys, you know, you talk about that iconic moment of, you know, some of these Hall of Famers when they get that jersey on draft day with the number one you know, being a first rounder, what to put that hat on now, you know, you're going to have to send all these guys who are in the green room, the quote unquote green room this year with what, maybe five to 10 hats. Cause you have no idea. You're not gonna be able to throw a Jersey out there. So it's going to be really awkward. Uh, thank God we, you know, we live in day and age where we have technology, you know, but it's almost like we're taking a couple steps back. That this is how they used to do the NFL draft where they called somebody at home. You get them on the line. You talk, hey, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you. And then, you know, the local TV, radio, newspaper, whatever. They went home, went to your house, and interviewed you and whatnot. So, it's gonna be really interesting to see here what they do and how creative they get. Like you mentioned, AB, it will just be nice to have some type of sporting coverage, some type of live coverage, even though it'll be virtually. It's still something for us sports fans to get our fix in. Speaking of sports fix, we got a great interview that we pre-recorded with Wayne Dres of ESPN. You're gonna love this. Talking all things from obviously the sports drought talking about the upcoming ESPN Chicago Bulls documentary from the 90s, as well as talking a little bit about, back in the day, the Steve Bartman Chicago Cubs incident, his thoughts on Sammy Sosa, and plenty more. You're not going to want to miss this. Wayne's going to join us right after this. And now we head out to... Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The phone lines to welcome in our guest this week, joining us from ESPN. He is Wayne Dres. You can follow Wayne and his work on Twitter. He is at ESPNWD. And a very special guest to the show, joining us as a former Blazer like Anthony and myself. Wayne, first and foremost, thanks for being with us this week. How's everything going? Hey, things are going okay. I'm uh, super, super excited to join a couple of fellow Addison Trail Blazers and uh, talk some sports. We need it. We definitely need more sports. So as much sports talk as we can get, we much appreciate. So I think that's the first thing that I immediately go to in this world of not being able to see live sporting events and seeing a lot of you know highlights and a lot of replayed games. 
What are you doing at this moment or, or in this recent couple of weeks to get your sports fix in? It's a great question. You know, um, from a work standpoint, what's crazy is, you know, a lot of people would think that without there being live sports, that there's really nothing for a sports writer to do. Uh, and I would tell you that I've been busier the last, you know, three, four weeks than I had been in the three, four weeks leading up to that. Um, as a storyteller, uh, I just kind of tell stories, right? And right now there are um, a ton of stories to tell as it pertains to the sports world. So I've been busy. As a fan, um, boy, I'll tell you, like, I miss live sports, obviously, but have really enjoyed the nostalgic looks back. I mean, I found myself uh, sitting on the couch, you know, a couple Sundays ago on a Sunday afternoon watching the 90s Bulls yelling at my TV. Like, literally, I didn't already know that the Knicks were going to lose the Bulls. Um, so I've enjoyed some of that. It's been fun to share those games, those moments uh, with my family uh, and show them, hey, this is Michael Jordan and uh, this is Kerry Wood and uh, that's Ryan Sandberg or whatever the case may be. So that's been enjoyable. But having said that, um, I'm ready for the real thing to get to get back here as soon as it's safe to do so. And I, I can relate 100%, especially with those 90s Bulls, because for me, it, it almost is, even though I know the immediate end result, some of those games, I mean, I have no recollection of. I can unfortunately say I didn't see Michael Jordan in his prime, Scottie Pippen in his prime, or at least remember it to the most degree. So I, I've appreciated that a lot. Um, I think where I got to go with this next is I'm a firm believer that you can tell a person's story based off of like the Twitter bio page. And one thing I caught on yours, being a beer snob, I'm a person that actually has taken in these last couple of weeks up the hobby of doing some homebrew. So I'm curious, can you give me some of your favorite beers or, or some beers maybe for me to check out that you're a big fan of? Oh, sure. So, uh, so when I say beer snob, my friends give me a hard time because anybody who drinks like a normal like Coors Light, Bud Light, Miller Light, I give them a hard time. I'm like, you got you to gotta broaden your horizons, right? It's like having tap water and you can have like flavored water, like sparkling water. There's so much more exciting things than tap water. So, uh, so that's where I come from. Uh, I am a big, um, any sort of like hazy IPA, white IPA, or... Um, uh, like a like a wheat wheat type beer, right? So like your Oberon uh, in the summer is an absolute uh, wheelhouse for me. Uh, Gumball Head, I'm drinking that all the time. It's really really good. Um, a couple months ago, I found from a Sketchbook, a local brewery has a hazy IPA called Insufficient Clearance uh, that I love. That's really good. Um, the Maplewood Brewery in Chicago, Soft Pants, Son of Juice. Oh, those are really good. Um, basically, you know, when I walk into business or if I'm out for dinner back when we were going to dinner and could find myself uh, a hazy IPA or a juicy IPA or a white IPA, I'm going to try it, give it a chance, and, uh, and nine times out of ten probably love it. So that's my wheelhouse. Now, it's funny. I'll tell you this. My wife, she likes the heavier beers. So we'll go out to eat, and, you know, I would order a – you know, say an Oberon and she's bringing back like a Guinness or something like that. Right. And, and, and nine times out of 10, what is the, what is the waiter or the waitress do? They give me the Guinness and give her the, the light one. I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you got it backwards. Like, uh, I like, it, uh, you know, light and juicy and she likes it, uh, you know, different if you will so anyway yeah, you mentioned maple brewery and uh, i know adam and i have had definitely a, a couple of those beers big fans of that brewery 
So uh, you, have, you got a couple pieces about the 90s Bulls you've been writing about. Of course, we got the Bulls documentary coming up here in a couple of weekends. Any inside scoop on something that we could look forward to? And is there anything about those teams uh, throughout the 90s that maybe an average basketball fan, maybe a basketball fan like you, a connoisseur, that we could really look forward to with this documentary? So that's a great question. And I've got all kinds of, of stories that I know about the documentary, none of which I can tell you. <laughs> but but here's what I will tell you. Um, I have some good friends of mine that have worked on it from the very, very beginning. And, you know, as a Bulls guy and a Jordan guy myself, every time I see these friends or, you know, we work on an assignment together, I'm always, have always been for the last two years, peppering them with questions. Uh, tell me story. Tell me this. Tell me that. Right. And, you know, w- one of the things that I, that I will tell you is they told me a story about one of the first interviews they did for the documentary with Jordan when they sat down with him. I think they're in Miami and they're telling me how he uh, got real emotional in the interview and, you know, broke down. And I said, Oh yeah, you know, probably, you know, talking, talking about his dad, I'm guessing like, Oh no, no, no. He was talking about what winning means to him. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Right. And so, and there are so many crazy stories about players and, you know, people that, you know, he interacted with. And I mean, the ultimate thing I will tell you is this. It's no secret that at ESPN, when we have something good, we hype it and we sell it and we push it. And obviously at this time we are looking for and and need this sort of uh, sports entertainment. Right. But having said that, there's a, a gentleman that works uh, for ESPN, one of our one of our prominent executives. I'm not going to name names, but uh, he is somebody who does not throw around easy praise, who does not give out uh, you know accolades and things like that easily. And uh, I saw I don't know if it was a tweet or an email or what it was from him last week when we announced that we were going to air the documentary on the 19th. He said. You know, basically, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically all the hype that you've heard is 100% worth it. And I think from what I've heard and read and talked to people, that's 100% the truth. Um, If you love the Bulls, if you love Michael Jordan, if you are are into, you know, 90s basketball, and even if you're just into sports and stories about you know, arguably the greatest athlete of, of our generation. Be excited, be fired up, know that, you know, for the next month from April 19th until May 3rd or whatever the exact dates are, um, every Sunday night, it's going to be incredible. Um, and, and I mean, I, I like I said, I, I know a lot of the stories and I personally like cannot wait. Uh, for it to get started. And that's what I'm really excited about is just hearing some of those stories. And I hope, and I'm sure you could probably, uh, you probably know the answer to this question, but you probably won't share too much, but I'd like to see some of more of the, the backstories, you know, what's he doing on his downtime during the nineties? What's it like being Michael Jordan off of the basketball court? That's what I'm sure uh, they did a fantastic job with. And that's what I'm most excited for. Uh, You mentioned, you mentioned that this is going to be all the way through May. And right now we, be close to the tail end of the NBA season, watching our 
lousy Bulls team, but right now I, I don't care. I'd rather watch a lousy Bulls game than not watch anything at all. And it just seems like, you know, the Bulls are finally going to be moving forward with revamping their front office. If you're in the shoes of Jerry Reinsdorf, Michael Reinsdorf right now, and we're trying to get back, you know, we're talking about the nostalgia of the 1990s Chicago Bulls and even the, the late 90s, uh, late 80s. What are you doing right now if you're a Bulls front office executive trying to refix this franchise and get back to that prominent role that they were in? What I would be doing is is what I hope they are doing, and that's you know talking to as many people as possible, getting the 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 word out there, uh, starting that interview process. Um, you know, this week, right? These three four names came out. And, you know, this is who the Bulls are going after. Man, I would be so tight-lipped about everything. You know, you think about, you know, I, I would draw the example, right, as like in the current era, the greatest sort of general manager president search in sports is when Tom Ricketts went and got Theo Epstein, right? And you didn't hear anything about that. All you heard was these whispers that one day – Theo was at, what was it, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or whatever it was in the city, right? Somebody said they saw him there. And, like, that was it. They don't they didn't float out that they might get Theo or, like, you know, kind of test these waters. You go out and you do it. Um, you know, I'm of the mindset that I would I, – I wish that the Reinsdorf family would go big. You know, go Sam Presti. Try to, try to do something that's Theo-like. Uh, the problem is, you know, as my colleague Brian Windhorse has outlined extensively, that's not in their history uh, to spend money like that and do things that way. Um, and also, look, like we know that they're fiercely loyal, which is why, you know, um, John Paxson and Garth Fulman have been around for as long as they have, despite a, a lack of results. So, I mean, if it was me, I'd be quiet. I'd be looking under every single rock, talking to everybody that I know trying to bring the right person to Chicago to fix the mess. Because, I mean, quite frankly, despite the struggles of the Bulls the last couple of years, that is still, in my mind, a top four, maybe top five marquee franchise in the league. I would, you know, I'd probably say what you talk about the Lakers, you talk about the Celtics, um, I, I probably would at this point probably need to include Golden State in that list. Um, despite what your opinions, depending what your opinions may or may not be about the Knicks, if you want to include New York in that list. After that, and in that mix, the Chicago Bulls are right there. Um, so that's still an opportunity to build a winner uh, in Michael Jordan's house and do something that, you know, not a lot of people have been able to do. And look, you travel the world, you go to, you know, I, I've been a lot of places in my job, and there's a lot of places you go, and I, I see I see Chicago Bulls hats, Chicago Bulls t-shirts. Uh, you know, you don't you don't go to you don't go to Germany and and find a, a Denver Nuggets t-shirt, unless it's somebody from Denver who's visiting. And I just think that's why it's 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 a marquee job, and if I'm those people, I am quietly and very, very extensively trying to find whoever I can. I think he's the best person for that job. And being a major player, I think that's what makes it most upsetting, like you had mentioned, being one of those top markets in all of basketball and the lack of success that they've had now, obviously, for the last 
decade or so. Wayne, I kind of want to go back now, piggyback of, of somewhere where Anthony was going with the upcoming documentary. And I think being someone who, like myself, I feel like I have been almost to the point of overly consumed in this town with the 1985 Bears for what they were able to do for a single season where I don't think I have fully been able to actually appreciate the 90s Bulls, even though they were able to do what the Bears did six times. One of the things about the 85 Bears is I think the amount of characters that were on that team, in that locker room, the feuds that we saw with Ditka, with Buddy Ryan, from top to bottom, basically, is that something that we should expect to see? I know you, you can't give us too much, obviously, but should we expect to see some of the characters come out in their finest moments with this documentary? I don't think you'll have, I mean, obviously, just based on the size of a roster, as many characters, um, you know, obviously in a, in a bowl story or in, in a basketball story as you would have in a football story, that, that, that Bears team was incredibly, incredibly unique. Um, and the other thing is, like, look, at that point in time, I mean, football's popularity was far greater than basketball. Um, and the Bears had a history that was far more decorated than the Chicago Bulls' history pre-Jordan. Um, having said that, like, absolutely there are characters. I mean, I, I, don't, even need to, I don't even need to mention Dennis Rodman because that's <laughs> where your mind goes first when you hear characters. I mean, there's, you know... Jim McMahon wishes he was half as crazy and cool as Dennis Rodman was, okay? Like, that, that guy was nuts. But look, like, Michael Jordan, the, you know, again, I said, like, arguably the greatest athlete ever, if not our generation, was a, is a fiercely complicated, competitive, crazy man. Like, I'm of the belief, I've always said this, that to me, there are other people in our lifetime who were born with more basketball talent than Michael Jordan had. Absolutely no questions asked. Basketball and athletic talent. The reason he's the greatest basketball player of all time is because of what he had between the ears. And not always good, right? I mean, like, the, the burning desire to beat everyone at everything all the time is not healthy. Um, it, may, it, it will make for one hell of a documentary, but it's not like a great trait to have as a human being. Um, my older brother was was friends during those 90s Bulls teams with one of their role players, a guy named Jason Caffey, who played on some of those teams. And he would tell me stories that they would be at a bar you know, after the game and it'd be a rare occurrence where Michael was there. There was one time in particular where Michael's there. My brother and Michael are playing pool. He beats Michael, you know, and it's some kind of small wager. And he's like, okay, great. You know, they're all leaving. And Michael's like, hell no, we're not leaving until we play again. Basically they wouldn't leave until Michael beat him like four times in a row. I mean, my brother's like some, you know, like, chubby white dude from like suburban Chicago that doesn't mean anything and Michael didn't want to lose and that sort of you know ferociousness um, is just is just it's just insane it's just fascinating and to me like that that is such a compelling character to me um, that's why I can't wait to learn you know more and more about that 
likewise counting down the days and and even now with the current situation what a what an even better time to obviously be able to embrace in that documentary i kind of want to go a different direction and i i feel like you're the perfect person to ask this question based on our our so far conversation and it is kind of the route of travel and when i plan travel my girlfriend is suggesting maybe the history maybe the nature side of things i'm looking at sporting venues and i'm looking at breweries what are some of those sporting (laughs) venues that you've been able to get to that are at the top of your list that you recommend it first of all dude that's awesome sporting (laughs) venues and breweries like that is tremendous you you find yourself uh, a, a girlfriend or a wife who wants to go sporting venues and breweries, you lock. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get Get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Get down. That's outstanding. <laughs> That's um, every travel I go on now, those are the those are definitely two of the awesome. center of attentions. So so like so like my favorite venues I've been to like I'm trying to think I mean I've, I've been to a lot certainly um, I'm just gonna go with like what comes to my mind the Rose Bowl uh, on New Year's Day is is to me I mean pretty much unmatched the the whole experience I was there I don't know what it was two or three years ago uh, I'm an Iowa alum so when I was there we went out and watched him get stumped but um, you know until the game started probably the single greatest sporting day sporting day I've had, whether I was been in the game or not. I mean, I was out there for uh, Texas, Michigan, I want to say for work one year, um, Rose bowl. Absolutely amazing. Um, baseball stadiums. I'm trying to think like the, uh, and I might call them by the wrong name because I'm old and I don't always adjust to the latest, uh, you know, big money company, but, um, uh, AT&T, Pac Bell, you know, the stadium that, where the Giants play is very, is, is very, very cool. Um, love watching a game there. Uh, certainly, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but uh, I think I think Wrigley, especially with some of the changes they're going through to modernize things and make it a little bit more, um, you know, user-friendly or fan-friendly, if you will, I think is great. Uh, you have to go to Fenway. Like that's just like to sit to, to sit there or stand there and see the Green Monster in person is amazing. We we uh, my wife and I lived out east for seven years, and one of the first years we were out there, we we had a 
temporary, uh, sorry, temporary, but a short season, season ticket pass to the Red Sox. We went to five or six games, and it was just, just awesome. Um, college football, look like. I don't know. I don't know if you can go to a a well. You can go to a bad college football game, but you pick any of the big tradition. Uh, driven places, you know, even around here, right? I mean, like Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, um, all those places have game days incredible. I mean, and they all have their own little unique things. Um, I'm trying to think. I've been to Gainesville. is an awesome experience on game day to watch the Florida Gators. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. I'll tell you one, you know, Probably the craziest thing I've ever I've ever been to is before they they put a new press box in Kyle Field. I don't know when they did, but within the last ten years, I'd say. But before that, they used this old rickety press box high, high above the stadium. And I'll never forget. I was there for one of my first games, and they're doing the you know the fans are all swaying back and forth between the game, doing like the Texas A&M song, and literally the press box, which has to be, gosh, I don't know. 15 stories in the sky. I don't know. We're, we're pretty high up there. The whole press box that's swaying back and forth with the things. I, I mean, I about, I grab the table and I freak out and the guy sitting next to me, he goes, uh, he leans over. He's like a local tech guy. He's like, so he's like, first time at Kyle field, huh? I was like, Oh my goodness. So, um, there's a lot of amazing places. I mean, even, even too, like the tech on to that globally, uh, uh, to be able to go there and think about all the events that have happened there uh, is super, super cool. Um, like, I mean, I, I'm with you, man. I love, I love stadiums experience. And when I travel, I try to, if, if I'm not at a place for a game, I try to at least go see a stadium or, you know, visit it new, old, ugly, beautiful. Um, I mean, there's just something awesome about these, these facilities that hold these sporting events and create so many memories that, I think we're learning now mean so much more to us than maybe we even realized. Gosh, just talking about some of these stadiums, of course, got a lot of those on the bucket list. And some of those Adam and I have had the, the privilege of actually going to see. And, you know, now looking back at this time down that we have from sports, it's really going to make it that much more meaningful when we get to go see some of these places, hopefully sooner than later, uh, of course. And I'm going to take a little switch now. Uh, we talked about the Bulls documentary, but there was a documentary that you worked specifically on. Um, I don't want to say I'm a big fan of the documentary because watching it hurt just reliving it, but the Catching Hell documentary, uh, this was obviously pre-2016 Cubs and pre. What was that like working on that, that documentary as a fan, but also now as a professional writer working for ESPN? Uh, it was awful. It was an awful, excruciating experience. Um, to I mean, as, as I talk about in the film, um, I didn't want that assignment. I wasn't comfortable with it. It was awkward. It was weird. Uh, it's not my, you know, I wasn't proud of hanging outside of somebody's house at whatever it was that morning, eight or nine o'clock that morning to try to, you know, figure out if that was where Steve Bartman lived or not. Um, but having said that, I mean, uh, that was my job. That was what my editor, you know, asked me to do. Um, I never in a million years imagined a scenario where they were going to turn, you know, take part of, take, take that assignment, take that story and have it be part of a, you know, larger documentary that explored that whole situation. Um, but 
having said that, I mean, like, I was really pleased and proud of the way the story was told. Uh, I thought it was very fair. I thought it helped people understand how ridiculous and over the top um, Cubs fans reacted. And I think the way, honestly, like a lot of sports fan bases would have reacted in that situation. I'm not sure that it was necessarily unique to Cub fans. The idea of scapegoating and, and whatnot. Um, but look, I mean, all these years later, um, you know, Steve Bartman is not Steve Bartman and his people are not remotely fans of, of Wayne's race. I mean, I get, I still to this day will get an email. I'll bet you I average probably 10 to 20 emails a year from somebody who'll be like, Hey, you know, I saw the documentary and, or, or I stumbled into your article and I was just wondering like, where's the next part when Steve gets back to you? Cause I never, I never, I couldn't find part two. And I was like, yeah, that, that never happened. Like, I jump out of the car. I talk to Steve for a few seconds and, and, you know, a few minutes, I should say. And that's the end of it. I mean, he, you know, we invited him to um, come to the premiere of the movie. We invited him to be, obviously to be part of the movie. And he just understand me. So, you know, never wanted to be a part of it. So, um, you know, I, a lot of people have mixed opinions of the way, the way they feel like he handled all of that. Some people support him. Some people don't. I, I'm kind of in the middle, depending on, on the day, I suppose, but yeah, it was certainly a, a surreal experience to be uh, to be part of that. You talk about an unfortunate situation. I'm sure if any of us are in that situation, you know, you just just like any other fan, you're probably putting your hands looking for the ball there. Of course, now, you know, when you're sitting at a game, you, you always got that in the back of your mind. Like, I don't want to be the next Steve Bartman, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and I think, and I think too, like I've always said that I'm of the belief that part of the reason people reacted the way they did was in part because of the way he, because of him, the way he handled it, the way he looked. I mean, look, I've said if that, if the individual in that situation is a, you know, uh, six, six foot, uh, four inch, 250 pound, uh, Chicago firefighter. I mean, the guy actually was a firefighter, but you know, like some big guy, and he stands up and takes a bow and makes a joke out of it and, and handles it differently, you know, and, and the next morning he goes on, you know, ABC or whatever and says, yeah, it was dumb. I was stupid. I was a fool. And like, my bad, let's go get him tonight. I, I think, I think it handles differently. You know, I think, you know, look, any of us can go back to our time in high school or, or junior high or whatever. And think about the kids who, who were treated the, the, the poorest, who were picked on the most, right? They're the ones who didn't fight back. They're the ones who, you know, you could, people could sit there and, you know, say this or do that. And they would just keep walking. And, 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 and I, and I sort of think that that was part of the problem with Steve is that he, you know, he, he never really, it's just the way he handled it that night. I just don't know if, if that's the way, if, if that was the best way, put it that way to have the attention go away. Um, it, it's in my opinion. I think that, and also the way that Alu reacted to not being yeah, able to catch the ball. I mean, just, it just yes. everything and, and everything that followed after the ball gets kicked off Alex Gonzalez's yes. legs that come below the lead. It just totally. seemed like when it was raining, it started pouring and you know, everything went unfortunate for the Cubs there. 
Yep. Uh, I've talked to Moises about it, and I've said to him, I've said to him many, many times, like, dude, like, your reaction immediately puts the spotlight smack on the middle of that kid. Like, like your stamp, you know, stomping the glove on your leg and, and flipping out. You're telling the whole world, the whole stadium, that you would have caught that ball if that fan did interfere. I'm not sure that's true, first of all. But even if it is, his reaction says otherwise, right? And that's what lights the match. Him sending that message out, I would have caught this if not for him. Then you factor into the way Steve handles it in the stadium that night and then, you know, uh, moving forward afterwards. I mean, look, he put out a very heartfelt stadium or a heart, heartfelt statement, I'm sorry, um, about it. But, but I just always felt like, you know, and, 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 and I'll say one other thing. Like, having said that, I also, at the same time, as much as it's a total opposite perspective, I have a ton of respect and admiration for the fact that he never he never cashed in, you know, a ten dollar paycheck, you know, for some silly commercial or whatever, you know, making fun of himself. And he had plenty of chances to do so. Um, and I've got a ton of respect for that. When he said he wasn't going to be public, he never was for anything. I mean, literally, the only thing he's ever done publicly is the statement he put out afterwards. The statement he put out when the Cubs gave him a World Series ring. And a few minutes of talking to me when I ambushed him outside a car. That's it. Um, so I have a lot of respect for that too, even though I'm not sure that created the easiest situation for him. Absolutely. And I can't even imagine in today's day and age with the way social media is, the way we have Twitter right now and Facebook and Instagram, if a situation like that were to arise today, it would have been blown up and probably even worse. Uh, than it is than it was back in 2003. Uh, totally. But a cu- couple questions here before we get you out of here. Uh, this is kind of going off what we were just talking about there. If if you are just a from a, a Cubs fan, obviously you're a little bit more than the average Cubs fan. What would be a more likely scenario: the Cubs honoring Steve Bartman at a home game, or the Cubs bringing back Sammy Sosa to honor him at a home game? That's a great question. That's a great question, and, and you know what's interesting about it is Bartman. I think I think the organization would do tomorrow if he wanted to do it. I don't know if they do it now. I mean, maybe maybe you could argue that the time has sort of passed, but it's something the organization would be or would have been open to. It was something that he didn't want to do. He didn't want any part of that. Um, the social situation is the exact opposite, where I think you know he would love to come back. And have you know his uh, another moment in that stadium, whereas uh, I think you know management, whether it's you know Tom Ricketts or Crane Kenny or more people in that in the you know Cubs leadership uh, don't have an interest in it. Um, don't don't see don't don't want him to come back and, and have his sort of another moment in the sun until he's come clean about what he did or didn't do. Um, you know, what's funny is, is a lot of people that I'm friends with, a lot of people that I have a great respect for want Sosa to have that day. Uh, and I'm in the minority. I don't, um, I, 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 I don't know why, I don't know why it bothers me, but I still hold a grudge for, you know, what I just sort of look at as 
kind of a fraud in a way, you know, I mean, he was such a, he was such a huge part of, I mean, at least, you know, for me, like my love of Cubs baseball, uh, certainly through the early nineties, he was, he was a superstar early to early to mid nineties even. And, you know, I think about all the stuff that he did on the baseball field. It was incredible. I mean, the year he had 66 home runs, like literally we would stop what we were doing in college to watch his next at bat. And when I think about the way he was as a teammate, when I think about the end, you know, and uh, the boom box, I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a crazy behind the scenes story. The day that he walked out on the team at the end of, I don't remember what the year was, the end of that season, 2005, maybe, I don't remember what year it was, but regardless, I was in town, I was living, in, I was living out east of time, I was in town doing a story. And I needed him for the story. And I talked to him before the game. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, listen, I can't talk. But after the game, after the game, after the game. I promise. I'm like, come on, Sammy. Like, let's just do it now. He's like, no, no, no. After the game. Well, then it turns out he leaves, right, in the middle of the game. And I remember just being so irritated. Like, look, like, I mean, who am I? Like, some sports writer, he lied to you, whatever. That happens all the time. But to do that to your teammates, um, and to have your teammates send a message that they do, that they did by destroying his boombox. I mean, I'm just like, I just, I, I, I just look at so much of what he did and I just question its authenticity. And that's why I kind of feel the way I do And Maybe that's, and I don't know this, maybe that's the way the Ricketts feel as well and why they don't want to have, you know, that sort of day celebrating him. Um, but look, I mean, if the Giants can, bring out Barry Bonds and, you know, if different teams can do different things. I mean, I'm sure someday it'll happen. Um, it'll just be a matter, it'll just be a matter of when, but hey, that's, that's really, really, really a good question. You talk about one of the most polarizing figures in all of Chicago sports history. Yeah. And, and like, like you just mentioned, you know, who would have thought Bobby Knight, Bobby Knight would be back at uh, Indiana yeah, totally. honoring him. So never totally. say never. You know, crazy? you know, what's crazy too is like in our city, right? Players are polarizing in our city, usually based on what they do or don't do on the field, right? Like Mitch Trubisky, Jay Cutler. You know, you look at these players, and 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 what do we argue about? Whether or not they're good, whether or not they're going to help our teams win. Sammy Sosa, there's no question whatsoever of the value he had on the field as a baseball player, right? The question and the issue that that we have with him is, I mean, for me at least, I can say is, you know. How authentic was he as a person? How true and honest was he? Did he play the game the right way? Was he a good teammate? Intangibles that normally Chicago doesn't care. You go out and you win and you play great. We don't really care. He's he's a he's a big exception. Absolutely. Last one here for you. I know we, we promised you about 15, 20 minutes, but obviously you're good, we, man. I got obviously on quarantine. We miss we miss sports. We miss sports. So last question here. Unfortunate situation, and I read this article. I saw you on SVP, and this one hit home for me, uh, talking about Billy Durkin and, of course, that picture that they had uh, posted on SportsCenter that night, and I saw you talking to SVP about this. For seniors that, of course, are missing out on all of this stuff, whether it's high school, maybe it's even eighth grade, or it's college being a seniors, uh, tell us a little bit about that piece and what went into it. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, so, I mean, Scott gets all the credit in the world because, I mean, him and, and our, our president of ESPN, Jimmy Patero, and a few other people had this idea of just, you know, highlighting the seniors um, and people who are missing out on the end of their careers. And, you know, I, I basically just, you know, piggybacked on it and said, this is a great idea. Let's, let's take a few of these people. I mean, look... Scott, Scott and I have received thousands of these ideas. And so, you know, I just dug a little bit deeper into, into a few of them. Um, and, you know, Billy's, Billy's story, I mean, look, I mean, you guys know I went to Addison Trail, Hinsdale South is a team that we play all the time. Um, so I was drawn to that, and I was drawn to that image. I was drawn to this picture of, you know, this young man who's sitting at, you know, uh, at center court in, in the Hinsdale South gym knowing that his, his season's over uh, his, his high school career is over um, as a basketball player. And so look, you know, when I go back and I think about, I, I, I to this day, I mean, I'm, I'm 42, almost 43 years old. And I go back and think about, you know, the fall of 1994, you know, and uh, I didn't, I didn't play football. I, I quit football my sophomore year. Uh, Coach Parker was not happy about that, by the way. But, um, but I remember my best, a couple of my best friends coming off the field in 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 the stadium in our high school in Addison when the last game was over, and I remember how emotional they were, and I, and it's it stuck with me forever. I mean, like our team was terrible. Um, I don't know if they won more than a couple games, but they poured so much into that, and then all of a sudden, you know. The season is over. And they played their schedule. The schedule's over. There's no playoffs. That's it. And I remember just thinking, like, that's part of what they signed up for. But for, for these other kids, for, for Billy Durkin and these other teams, these other athletes, they didn't plan for this. You know, they went to bed one night thinking they had a playoff game or another game the next night. And all of a sudden, <laughs> there's a phone call, a text message, a tweet, whatever it is, that it's over. And I just, you know, I, I just, I just couldn't imagine that. And, and so, you know, we tried to do what we could to, to tell those stories and, um, you know, kind of share 
some of their greatness. What's interesting is, you know, I, I talked about this on TV too. You know, I spent, I don't know, a week reporting, <clears throat> I don't know, eight or nine, 10 different, different sort of pieces, shorter pieces about different high schools across the country. And it was interesting, you know, as the week went on to hear the evolution in the way the high school athletes were looking at the decision. Because early on in the week, when I talked to people, it was frustration. It was, you know, um, this is wrong. Um, we deserve a chance. We want to play. On and on and on. And as the week got into, <coughs> excuse me, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, later in the week, that all changed. And I think, you know, we all, we all could see where we were headed as, as a society. And it was acceptance. Like, look, this stinks, but it's the right thing to do that. We shouldn't play. We shouldn't all gather in a gym or <coughs> excuse me, on a wrestling mat or whatever the case may be. Um, we should, you know, be smart about this. Um, even though it stinks for me, there's, there's a bigger purpose here. So that was really interesting to me to see that, that evolution, but look, my heart goes out to to all the seniors, you know, college, high school, uh, heck man, eighth grade people who aren't going to have, you know, their eighth grade graduation that they thought they would have, or, you know, high school prom or all the things people are going to miss. It's, it's just, it's wild. It's crazy. It's something we never thought we'd experience, but you know, here we are and just try to try to make the best of it. And even just walking, driving down the road, seeing nice weather finally come out here in Chicago and the basketball courts are empty, rightfully so. But I, I think in a role like myself, just as a pure sports fan at this point, it's something that, that I think we or me and probably many of us took for granted thinking that, wow, this is something we truly relied on and, and now it's gone hopefully back sooner than later. And I hope that some positives can possibly come in the sports world. But Wayne, first and foremost, thanks again for being with us. Uh, would love to do this again sometime. Yeah, I had a blast. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on anytime. You know, feel free to, to reach out. You know, we can certainly do it. I'll tell you, you know, one other thing I was talking about today on, on your last point that I think is interesting is we're all we're all you know sports diehards and we're all so sports hungry right now. And I think what's going to happen is you know you're gonna you're gonna see the return of recreation sports and youth sports and little league and things like that before you long before you're going to see the return of pro sports and and college and crowds and fans and, and things like that. And so I'll tell you what, man, like I I, I would not be surprised. You get some, you know, sports crazed people who are going to, you know, be out for a walk with their dog and see, you know, the local little league team playing at the park by their house. And they're going to stop. They don't know anybody on the field. Their kids are in college or they don't even have kids yet, whatever. But just the sight of, you know, two teams of nine on a diamond throwing the ball around and, you know, hitting it and chasing it is going to be something that they're going to want to, going to want to take a look at. I think, I think that's going to, it's going to be special in a lot of ways in a way that obviously like you suggested we probably didn't quite appreciate before yeah i completely agree with you i've actually said that multiple times i said i would love to just see a random game of baseball random game of basketball because at this point i would sit down and if anything else just appreciate it yep totally but Wayne, thanks again. He he is Wayne Drace. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He is at ESPNWD joining us right here on the Chicago Brawl.
And welcome back to the Chicago Brawl Podcast. That was one of my favorite interviews that we've had. Probably could have talked and asked about 100 questions Chicago sports related to Wayne, but of course we want to keep things rolling here. Make sure you are following and subscribing to us everywhere where you get your podcasts. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We are at Chicago Brawl. And make sure you are following us wherever you get social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us at Chicago Brawl as well. Adam, we get into our Chicago crossover segment, and really this week, there was a couple of teams making some noise. We actually did get some noise here on both the basketball and football fields uh, in the offseason related activities, that is. Uh, we'll start where we always start, though, with our Chicago Bears. So, Adam, I'll let you take the lead on this. Ryan Pace having a press conference over the weekend, formally introducing Nick Foles to the Chicago media. Of course, doing it virtually, of course, taking questions and also, you know, making it well known that there will be an open competition. This is the first time that. Ryan Pace has publicly said there will be an open competition for that quarterback position. Your thoughts on Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky being in a quarterback competition? Well, first off, I thought the most interesting, the most appealing thing to take from the past week with the Bears was Robert Quinn's thought process in becoming a Chicago Bear. Having a player literally admit that he was a coin flip away from being a Chicago Bear or an Atlanta Falcon. Talk about having options talking about having millions of dollars on either side of the fence. Man, I, I wish I could flip a coin for outcomes like that. Uh, in terms of the Nick Foles situation, I think it was a very interesting weekend because I think that you don't often have general managers that are young, especially, that you know we have to assume are very egocentric, that do say, you know what, we did bring Nick Foles in. It's an open competition, which is only a couple months from being removed of his statement saying that Mitch Trubisky is our starting quarterback. And I thought that was very eye-opening for a general manager to do. And I think that only continues to plead what we've been talking about on this show, that Nick Foles is the starting quarterback, barring some type of injury, barring some type of off-the-field set or on-the-field setback in training camp. Nick Foles is your starting quarterback. And I think that this is something that is the beauty about podcasting, where we get to state our opinions on things prior to them even happening. And when we're right, we remember doing it. We have the tape that we said it. Or when we're wrong, we have that same exact opportunity for the other person. The Nick Foles deal, I really liked at the time, and I really like at this moment. I think this was an excellent move by the Bears. Now, is this a move that separates them and makes them the new New England Patriots dynasty? Absolutely not. But in my opinion, this is a move for a player that has experience in the league, has played in a few playoff games, and has won a Super Bowl as well as a Super Bowl MVP to parlay that with a very talented Bear defense. I, I think that is a recipe for short-term success. Will it will it end up happening? Who knows? I, I think it was a good move by by Ryan Pace and the biggest move of the week I thought was him coming back and saying that it is truly an open competition, which to me that codes to saying Nick Foles is your starting quarterback. To be honest with you, Adam, I think Ryan Pace doing that move was a huge publicity stunt. And I think it was a way to just kind of settle down these Bears fans, especially in these times you talk about where there's literally nothing to talk about because nothing new is happening. Everybody's just kind of sticking around what we've been talking about. So the only noise the Bears have made this offseason, really, there really weren't that many huge offseason signings, was the trading and the acquisition of Nick Foles. And, you know, Bears fans remember what happened last. And Mitch Trubisky struggling late in the season last year. Mitch Trubisky being the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And the fact now that a lot of people have downtime of really doing nothing, 
you know, what are we supposed to talk about? We talk about the things that are most relevant to us. And Ryan Pace just kind of calming down Bears fans. You know, everybody knew this was going to be a competition, whether it was said or not said. I, I think Ryan Pace trying to save face at the end of the season, kind of, you know, throw some optimism, Mitch Trubisky's way last year at the end of the, t- the 2019 season, 2020 season. Uh, I think what Ryan Pace was just doing was just tr- trying to get some optimism. At the end of the day, Adam, we're all rooting for Mitch Trubisky still to be the best form of Mitch Trubisky we can get. Uh, that, that goes without being said. If Mitch Trubisky turns into a Hall of Famer, if he turns into just being a, a legit NFL starting quarterback, all of us Bears fans will be happy. But Ryan Pace, what he has to do right now, knowing that he is on that hot seat, he needs to get the best quarterback ready to play for the Chicago Bears between him and Matt Nagy. And bringing in talent like Nick Foles was a very, like Brian said a couple weeks ago when he was on our podcast, it was a very predictable move. The Bears needed to do something. And all offseason, Matt, Nag- Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have said Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback of the future. And I think what we've garnered and what we've gained from learning about Ryan Pace the last couple of years is unspe- expect something to happen even if he says one thing, you know, the Bears trade up for Trubisky a couple of years ago. He kept that to himself. You know, what other moves do we not know that Ryan Pace has kept to himself and not really told anybody? I think this was one of the moves, though, that, that was very predictable. I do think that we might see something, though, in the NFL draft that the Bears do that seems very unpredictable or maybe another cut or another acquisition that seems very unpredictable because that's the type of guy that Ryan Pace is. That's the type of guy that he's been. And I think moving forward, he's going to need another one of those moves to save his job. And I think really quick, the last thing I just want to add on this, I think what's also very interesting and and what I'm getting from the order of the events and the sequence of the events that occurred, I think that it was clear that Ryan Pace knows how important the relationship with his head coach is. And I am really a firm believer that Matt Nagy does not want to coach Mitch Trubisky any longer. And that's a big reason of why Nick Foles was brought in. Obviously, we know those two have a relationship from back in Philadelphia. But I think that had a lot to do with it, that it was Matt Nagy saying, you know what, I I know what's a good quarterback. I've been in a good offense in Kansas City. I do not want to I do not want to coach a Mitch Trubisky any longer. Give me a Nick Foles, a guy I'm experienced, a guy that I'm comfortable with. I think that had a lot to do with this as well. And just to bounce off your point right there, Adam, before we transition here, you talk about familiarity. You know, given the state of our country right now, who knows what type of off season we're going to have? Who knows what type of season we're going to have? You know, being optimistic, hopefully there is a 2020-2021 NFL season. You know, it's going to be a shortened off season as it is, and having somebody who's familiar with the system is probably the best thing for the Bears. But Talking about familiarity, that is something that the Chicago Bulls know something about or probably a lot about because anytime there is a shakeup in Chicago, when you talk about the Bulls and you talk about the White Sox, there really isn't a big shakeup. But it seems like the Bulls finally are charging ahead here and going to have some sort of executive front office change. And it just seems like everybody that they've interviewed so far or at least requested their interview so far has denied the request. Adam, your thoughts? on the Bulls moving forward with their GM search or executive executive front office change. Maybe I think I think when we talk about this situation it just continues to add to the list of reason for frustration within the Chicago Bulls. We talked to Wayne about how big of a, a market this team is and how valuable as a team as an organization that they are and that have guys that are declining one of the highest levels of opportunity within one of the highest market teams in basketball quite frankly is embarrassing and that's how poorly this whole shop has been run now for years and years and years. So, I mean, th- this should be an opportunity. This should be a job that you would think 
front office staff members would be jumping ship to be able to take over. Um, I Obviously, I'm not... I, I've talked about it on the show. I'm not, I'm not the biggest NBA guy. I know the most appealing one would for the role would obviously be Sam Presti of, of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and if he was to take on that job and and, le- and vacate Oklahoma City, whoever was to replace him, I mean that guy would almost have to send Presti his first year salary because of what he set up in Oklahoma, which makes it. Almost hard to believe that he would consider leaving. So, AB, I don't have the options. I don't have the solutions. I could probably sit here and talk, and my answer for who's going to take over would probably be as accurate as when this coronavirus is going to be over. All I know is it's embarrassing that as big of an opportunity like this is, isn't drawing more interest and isn't moving faster than it already is. And what I think is the most confusing part is I don't even know if the Bulls are going to be getting rid of John Paxson and Agar Foreman. You know, that was one thing that I, I failed to mention there as, as, as I was introducing this part of our Chicago crossover is Michael Reinsdorf seems like he's just going to be adding depth here to the front office. It's it's not like he's going to be getting rid of so far, at least from what we know. It's not like he's going to be getting rid of Gar Foreman or John Paxson. It just sounds like they might be creating a new position for somebody to take over this GM position that Gar Foreman is in. And you might slide Gar into another position on the Bulls executive you know, uh, committee there. So it doesn't seem like the Bulls really are going to be making crazy changes. Um, I know that the Indiana general manager, I believe the last name is Buchanan, uh, he declined the interview. He's not going to be pursuing the job. I know the, I believe it's Webster, the general manager from the Toronto Raptors, has already said he is not going to uh, take on this interview. The Miami Heat assistant general manager said no. The, the Bulls do have interviews lined up. I know they already had an interview today with the, uh, the Denver Nuggets general manager, and of course they have the interview lined up with the Utah Jazz general manager. Like you said, we talked with Wayne. The Bulls probably are, just for their location alone, are a top four or top five draw just being in the city. But unfortunately, the team has just been run so bad for the past handful of years. And you could go even even further down the road there. Um, just with the deteriorating relationship with Tom Thibodeau, uh, deteriorating relationship. We talk about our 90s documentary with the Bulls and how that all came to an abrupt halt. I mean, Dwayne Wade, before he came to Chicago, talked about how Chicago never took care of their own while they were here. You know, it's been well known that the Bulls are a terribly run organization. Uh, they don't really care, per se, about how the team does, more about how the revenue that the team can bring in. And they just lucked into drafting, you know, Michael Jordan. And you can't tell me that the Bulls knew what they were getting when they got Michael Jordan. You can't tell me the Bulls knew uh, what they were getting when they got Scottie Pippen. Nowhere did, did they know that they were going to get two of the top 50 greatest players of all time with those two draft picks. Obviously, you... Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hope to get, you know, the best you can get. But, you know, they locked in the two great picks right there and set up a dynasty there for, you know, eight to 10 years, whatever it may be one of the greatest dynasties in sports history, but you know, the bulls need a complete revamping. And from what it sounds like, just adding depth is going to be an absolute joke. And if John Paxson and Gar Foreman stay in some shape or form, it's probably just going to be more of the same here. And that's probably why a lot of people are from Denver or unless you're from Utah looking to make a jump. I just don't understand why making a parallel move, you know, makes sense right now. But if you, if your goal is to get to a big market and get to a big city and, get to maybe one of the biggest arenas in the NBA, then I guess Chicago's your answer for you. AB, some of these, the questions that the Bulls should have been addressing for years, thankfully they're already starting to try to get some interest. Who knows, like you mentioned, what's going to happen with the current front office staff. We don't have all the answers to those questions, but I will tell you this, we do have answers to plenty of questions coming up right here during our First Reaction segment. For the first time, listeners, our First Reaction segment, a series of questions that we literally come up on the fly. The other person has no idea what's coming, so you truly get our First Reaction right here on the Chicago Brawl Podcast. AB, as always, you have the honors. What's your First Reaction? All right, Adam, this is going to be a first reaction segment that I really didn't prep for. Uh, been a busy couple of days here for myself. Uh, but as we move forward here, this is a true first reaction segment. So, Adam, we talk about, you know, everything being virtual right now. What are your thoughts of attending a game and how much would you spend to attend a game if they offered some sort of virtual reality? You know, you can sit courtside at an NBA game for through virtual reality goggles or virtual reality, you know, seating, you get to sit courtside or maybe at a baseball game, you get to sit in an umpire's, you know, seat right there. If he has some sort of VR capabilities there. And what's the amount of money that you would spend to attend a a sporting event like that? So I would say, unless it's, you know, bucket list material or a venue that I really want to get to, I would say overall my sports experiences as I've gotten older, my decision-making has become fairly, fairly frugal with what I'll do and not do for sporting events. So I think I'll probably be on the conservative end here. Immediately, I thought maybe I wouldn't be interested, but I, I think that would be a lie. I think it would be cool to see some of those sites of, of things that we've never seen. And like you mentioned, although... You know, although the television networks have done uh, an amazing job of getting you different angles and trying new new things, like you mentioned, sitting courtside, sitting in an umpire seat, having that helmet or something like that on an, um, an umpire's head to be able to see that view, that would be something that's never been done before. What am I going to pay for it? I mean, I, I I would I'm a big review guy too, so I'd have to see maybe some pictures, see some videos from the past. But I don't know if I would really exceed, call it $200. Yeah, I think more so internationally. I think it would be cool, you know, going to like a World Cup maybe virtually or going to see some of these football clubs overseas. Uh, I think that would be really cool. I know baseball was talking about doing an international series. I know they did one last year with the Red Sox and Yankees, and this year it was supposed to be the Cubs and Cardinals. I think if they offered VR in some of those stadiums that you and I will probably never have the privilege of going to, I think that would be totally worth it. And I think that would be a huge sell. You know, you get to attend a World Cup 
final match or a semi semi-final match through virtual reality or you get to go to some sort of you know manchester city versus manchester united some big rivalry in europe or something along those lines i know you're not a big soccer guy but I, i'm sure you respect the passion of those fans and what they have and i think that would be really cool to see virtually and you know when you talk about domestically you know going to maybe a final four maybe for some of us who can't afford that you know seeing it virtually being there you know virtually at different maybe you know they have different camera angles or whatever being you could switch through you know being up on the third level versus the second level being you know versus being courtside i think that would be really cool if there's ever a time in the sports world to come up with ideas and say that's a stupid idea what are you talking about that i mean if there's ever a time to try something it's right now um so i'm, I'm all for that i think that would be a, a really cool and you know talking about spending money i'm probably right there with you around 200 bucks would probably probably be my limit going to our next first first reaction here adam you know we talked about earlier on the show uh, NBA 2K tournament. Now I saw that the state of Nevada has actually implemented. You can gamble on uh, NASCAR racing that is virtual. I think some of these NASCAR drivers are doing like i racing or something like that, where they have some of these virtual races, whatever it may be. I don't really know the specifications around it. Uh, how have you gotten your gambling fix? I know March and April are busy times at the stock market for you uh, when it comes to, is there anything that you've been kind of uh, maybe at the stock market for, or maybe something that you might be pursuing here just to get that gambling fix? I took a look at the Madden simulations. I So I will tell you this, I thought the NBA 2K tournament has been awful. I, I just, I don't think that's really appealing whatsoever to me as a viewer. However, I have watched a couple of the Madden simulations. I think it's a little bit more entertaining. Would I go to the point of gambling on it? Probably not, unfortunately. Probably not go to the point of, of gambling on it, but I actually just was texting a buddy the other day. I mean, I think the NFL draft is something that I don't typically bet on too much, but I would really like to see numbers of NFL drafts historically and see numbers of what's actually bet on for the draft, see how it compares to this year, because I think this year is going to be a huge opportunity for all of the degenerates in the sports gambling world to be able to come out of the woodwork, to be able to throw some money where they probably wouldn't just because of the way times have been going. So that is probably the next thing I would consider throwing some cash on is the NFL draft. I can definitely see somewhere out there some books will be taken. How long does it take a team like the Cincinnati Bengals to get their pick in? You know, you know, once the clock starts, you know, over under what amount of time or how much time left on the clock. I think you hit it right there uh, on the head when you talked about the NFL draft. Uh, that's going to be a huge day for Vegas to finally get back into things. And then, of course, we have the MLB draft. Uh, you could probably you can bet that many people will be in tune more to the NFL draft this year, and of course, probably the MLB draft because this will be the first time that we have nothing else to watch sports related when you talk about live TV. So uh, they're probably going to try and do everything they can to make it as dramatic as they can and let it go for as long as they can. You know what? You and I will be glued to our TVs probably more than ever when it comes to the draft. And I mean, if I'm a bookmaker, I'm going all out. I'm going Super Bowl-like for this upcoming draft. I mean, there's so much opportunity. Surely over-unders for positions and universities and you know quarterbacks in the first round, all that common stuff that we always get. But with this being a virtual-like event, I mean, you can talk about having bets like, is he going to bet from his kitchen? Will there be a television in the background? How many people are in the room? What is What color are his countertops? All this stuff is endless and degenerates that are on a hiatus they're going to come out of the woodwork i think books have a great opportunity oh absolutely i'm sure there'll be a bet uh, right away you know will roger goodell be wearing a tie or not you know what color is his tie 
how long is his introductory you know talk to the crowd or whatever it might be you know virtually that crowd i should say so it's going to be very interesting to see um i guess you could say it's going to be a spectacle because for many of us it's gonna be our first time watching a draft virtually so it'll be uh definitely fun but for right now adam uh, the fun is over for me with first reaction. I'm going to pass it over to you. So I've got three questions. Two of them are going to be tied into things that we've addressed within this podcast. And then the other one is just literally out of left field. So I'll start with maybe what we we've spent quite a lot of time talking about the upcoming documentary, The Last Dance, obviously featuring the 90s Bulls. And something that I kind of am regretting a little bit and was trying to kind of get to with Wayne a little bit was after watching this documentary, A.B., do you think that the average fan or fans that don't really know Jordan too much, do you think they're clearly just going to walk away with a higher image level of who Michael Jordan the person is? Or do you think there's going to be reason for a little bit of withdrawal about who Michael Jordan the person was following this documentary? Well, from just hearing through podcasts that I've listened to and just reading online of what this is going to be about and you know, I, I've been excited about this documentary since they, they started that talking about that this is going to be actually coming to fruition. Um, I, I don't think we're going to find out too much of what Michael Jordan truly was like off the court because I can imagine that anything that Michael Jordan has agreed to be a part of, um, he has oversought everything that's going to be on television. So, uh, you know, as Wayne said, and as many people have said so far, you know, that we've heard about talking about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, the athlete, was phenomenal. Well, Michael Jordan, the person, like Wayne said, and many people have said before, was as complicated as it gets. You talk about a guy who basically sat out a year and a half because of a, a gambling addiction that he had and tried going to baseball. You know, I know it's it goes unsaid saying that, you know, maybe it wasn't a gambling addiction, but, you know, who came after his father? Who had his father killed? Well, it was people probably looking for money that Michael Jordan owed money to or his father owed money to through gambling, you know? You know, we heard the story last year. I believe it was Jeremy Roenick talking about how Michael Jordan hated losing golf so much that they played 36 holes in one day. They drank about a case of beer between the two of them. And then Michael went and played a game just to make his money back and scored 55 points against Cleveland Cavaliers because Jordan lost 36 holes to uh, Jeremy. So, you know, Michael Jordan was the ultimate competitor. But, you know, I think Wayne said it best when he was in our interview, you know, Sometimes it was healthy. Sometimes it was really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've seen the failures that he's had in his life. Of course, of course failed marriage, the death of his father, um, you know, but hopefully where he is in his life right now, uh, he's a lot happier uh, with where he is. And, you know, I know the Charlotte Hornets are still struggling right now and he's still trying to figure out that whole thing. But, you know, as Michael Jordan, the person off the court, uh, tries to get the rest of his life in order, you know, hopefully we do get to find out a little bit more about Michael Jordan, what he was like, and maybe I know how how we could only imagine what it was like in the 90s being in those shoes of Michael Jordan. And hearing about the games of blackjack on the planes with Michael being the dealer and being the house, I think all that stuff is going to be very interesting. We all can read box scores. We can all look up who won championships. But hopefully we get a good sense of that off-the-court relationship because that's the stuff that us fans, I know me personally, I can appreciate and we never get to really see much. AB, keeping it with some things that we've covered on this podcast, and I guess I'm going to say spoiler alert for any of those that have not watched or are planning to watch Better Call Saul. You can tune out for the next 60 to 90 seconds here. But AB, as we're getting through, I think, what's been a fantastic season, I want to know a couple of things. Can you write off, or do you think she'll still be involved in in some reason, the relationship that Saul has with Kim? Do you think this is going to be a violent ending? Do you think this is going to be just kind of a write-off situation? Or do you think she's really somehow involved during the breaking 
during the Breaking Bad story? I think you could definitely write her off. Uh, I think all good things come to an end. And this has been a fun kind of storyline the last couple of seasons, um, ultimately leading to their marriage. And I think, and you heard it best when Jimmy said it in the last episode, you know, spoiler alert, you know, this was a financial decision for him. If he were to ever get sued, um, she could never sue him or the company could never sue him because of, you know, their marriage It would be some sort of, you know, uh, situation where they wouldn't be allowed to sue him and it would be a liability or whatever it may be. So uh, I do think it's going to be somewhere where it is a little bit more on the violent side. I think we've come to the fact that, you know, he will be part of or referred to as part of the cartel or representing the cartel. Uh, It's already gotten to that point as uh, Salamanca is very high connected in in the United States. And I think it will come to a a very violent ending. Uh, It might be a little predictable. Maybe I'm way off, but I think the the higher heads there, the writers over there, the head honchos, they know uh, what's best to be to tell the story. So I'm very excited to see. And, you know, I just hope we get to see some sort of Kim in season six. And I hope they don't kill her off here before the end of season five. Let's close this thing out. My last question, like I mentioned, one is coming totally out from left field. Had one of these the other day and was starting to do a little bit of uh, comparisons in my head. Can you give me the top three? If you were going to the grocery store right now and you had to buy three, the top three of your favorite frozen pizzas. I like where your head's out there, Adam. Um, I am a huge frozen pizza fan, although as I've gotten a little bit older in age, I can't really eat them as much as I used to. Otherwise, it starts to show a lot more, and I think you know as well as many of the listeners, I I do love to work out. I I still like to take care of my body, Uh, but I always try to make a little bit of time for uh, pizzas. Uh, My first one here, I'm going to go with Old Reliable, and it's probably not the best uh, frozen pizza, Uh, But it's always been there for me. It's cheap. It's reliable. It's great. Got to go with Jack's. Uh, Nice and cheap. You know what you're going to get. It's it's a solid pizza. It's very edible. Uh, It's not like some of those other ones out there that literally taste like the box that you're eating. So I'll definitely put Jack's up there in my top three. Uh, Number two, Frozen. Got to go home run in. I think they make a phenomenal uh, frozen pizza there. Uh, I think it's really good. And I've always said that I run it pizza and their pizza that you order the day after is better than when you actually get home run in pizza hot so i'm definitely going to go with home run in and then number three uh it's so hard to put only a top three um and then the last one i'm going to go with is red baron uh that's one that we used to always get when we were kids um we loved it my i know my dad loved it we used to always get the uh the red baron pizza i think their pepperoni was phenomenal even when you get the pepperoni and sausage and we also used to get like the little pizza flatbreads that they made were that were actually phenomenal as well. But um, I would definitely go with those three: Red Baron, Jackson, then Home Run In. And then for uh, kind of a side note, I don't know if you really can consider this one, but Tino's pizza rolls are, are phenomenal. I, I know that that's another category when you go pizza rolls, but that would definitely make honorable mention if we were allowing pizza rolls in there. Some great candidates there. Jack's is definitely a uh, way to get through a month in college with the 10 for 10 special when they're running it. You can't beat that. Uh, Red Baron's probably an honorable mention for me. Uh, Do we have to go with the Giorno? Probably would be my number three. I would probably then have to say uh, number two would probably be Home Run In. I, I actually think that their frozen pizza has always been better than the pizza you actually get in the restaurant, believe it or not. And then number one, I got to go with Kitchen Select Pizza right by Jewel. I, I can't come on to it in about the last two years or so. I think it's one of the best, really good rotation, a lot of different options that they offer. So I think that's right there with DiGiorno, and I put it my number one. But great to have some uh, some solid frozen pizza discussion here on the Chicago Brawl. Hey, man, this is what happens when we have no sports. What do we left to talk about? Food and uh, 
probably cooking. That's we, about it. We might have to do a draft of like chips or other type of snacks to have during this uh, sports outbreak. We might have some of that coming to you uh, in a podcast coming to you soon. Who knows? Yeah, nobody else has been doing that in the podcast world, so maybe we'll be the first ones to break into that field, huh? Completely agree. Let's do the brackets and the drafts. Nobody's ever heard of it. No, maybe you can throw in a Mount Rushmore there, too, there as well. There you go. Hey, that's our thing. We're the Mount Rushmore guys. But that is it for our April 6th edition of the Chicago Brawl Podcast. Thanks for being with us. A huge shout out to you for taking some time to listen to us for the better of an hour or so. But make sure you're not only just listening, but also follow us and interact with us in the world of social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Everything is at Chicago Brawl. Another shout out to our executive producer back in the shop. He is Dennis Lenzi. And of course, our guest joining this week from ESPN, Wayne Dre's talking all things from current state of sports, Chicago sports, and and plenty more. But for the Chicago Brawl, I am Adam. He is AB. We will talk to you next week. But before we do, stay beautiful, sports world, and thanks for listening. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.